pretty agrarious looking back at it. It's wow. Agrarious? Really, yeah, I, I'm just f***ing that word up, aren't I? Egregious. Really egregious. Radio Drome. Welcome to Adam and Eve Presents Radio Drome, where you can get all of your Adam and Eve needs at adamandeve.com using the promo code DROME for Radio Drome at adamandeve.com. You will also get 50% off of a single item, adamandeve.com, three free DVDs, adamandeve.com, a free mystery gift, adamandeve.com, and free U.S. shipping, adamandeve.com. And again, just to repeat, you are listening to AdamandEve.com presents Radiodrome. Do you think I set up tonight's topic okay, guys? I feel like a dirty whore. Well, from AdamandEve.com, that's what they're there for. They're, they're hey. there to facilitate that. <laughs> exactly. So are we talking about sex toys tonight? No, we're not in your head. Tonight, we are talking about product placement, merchandising, selling out to advertisers, that kind of thing. So I thought... Tonight's episode is Adam and Eve Presents Radiodrome, or is that too on the nose? Well, it's on something. (laughs) All right, as you can hear, the Marquis de Suede is with me. Hello. As well as Cecil Nadeau Trachtenberg. Yes, apparently I'm talking over everybody today. When we talk product placement, usually it's in a negative connotation in movies and TV, and I agree with that. Sometimes it can be positive. When, When you hear product placement, What is the first thing that enters your head? Well, it really depends. I mean, sometimes product placement, I think, is a good thing. Because when you see somebody in a movie and they're smoking a cigarette, it makes sense that you would see a recognizable brand. Because whenever you see something that's made up or or fake or whatever, I don't know, in a way, it kind of takes you out of the movie. Now, certain times they get a little overboard with shoving in your face, which I know we're going to get into. In certain cases, it is more realistic if they're using a product that exists in reality. It varies really with film to film because there's some films that have a lot of product placement that I've never really noticed because it never took me out of the movie. But then there are some, which I'm sure, as Cecil said, we'll be hitting on those tonight, where that's all you notice. Well, because I kind of agree with Cecil. It does make it more realistic sometimes. For instance, you have a character that goes into a deli you're expecting to see a Coke logo or a Dr. Pepper logo or a Pepsi logo or something there. So that adds realism. In fact, it probably would seem wrong if it was a fake one. It would, exactly like Cecil said, take you out of the movie. But yeah. then, And so I can't blame them for wanting to do that. And if you do that simply for the scene, fine. But I think the line is drawn when, say, Pepsi says, We'll give you $40,000 to prominently feature our logo in this deli scene. That's when you start noticing whenever people get the Pepsi cups, it's turned always towards camera. Or there's the lingering shot of Matt Damon drinking his Dunkin' Donuts cup or something like that. That, to me, is when it starts to become egregious. And it's not just, oh, we're in a stereo store, so there's going to be 
Panasonic and Magnavox brands. So to, to me, it depends on how you do it. It makes sense that certain things are just going to be in certain situations. But like you said, if it's kind of there too much, like I, I we mentioned this, I believe, last week, where every movie, when they're in a bar, they walk up to the bartender and they go, beer, and they give them a beer. Whereas, Not every movie. Have you ever seen well, The Fallen with Denzel Washington? Yeah. I have seen Fallen, and yes, but okay, not every movie, but uh, almost every movie where they walk up and they say beer and they just give them a beer, whereas it would make more sense if they walked up and they said, you know, give me a Budweiser or give me a whatever. It wouldn't be something particularly to laugh about because you'd be like, oh, okay, they ordered such and such a beer. It's not going to make me want to go out and get that particular beer, but it's going to kind of keep me in the vibe of the film. But then what about in an instance like The Fallen, where the movie oh. stops while James Gandolfini is like, don't just get a Bud, get a Bud Light or a Bud Dry or a smooth Bud this. Budweiser's good for me. Budweiser? Yeah, it's good. good. Oh, no, no, we'll go and import it here. Yeah, please. You, know, you can't afford it. I can afford it, Lou. Hey, Budweiser. Okay. Well, at least have a Bud Ice or a Bud Dry Lou. or something. Lou, it is just a Bud. And it just, it, it just stops the movie dead for 30 seconds to do the obvious bud pitch doesn't that just absolutely destroy the scene then but and it doesn't it almost turn the audience against whatever that product is or in this case bud oh yeah well that's a case of doing it the wrong way is because now it's no longer something that's a part of the scene it's taking 30 seconds out of the movie to make it a commercial for bud yeah, the only way I would buy that is if James Gandolfini's character was a salesman for Budweiser. That, that's how it would make sense give in the in the context of the movie. Otherwise, it's totally distracting. This is not a new trend. This has happened way back into the quote-unquote golden age of film. The De Beers company used to – no, the, this, this wasn't a studio thing. They would slip screenwriters dollars on the side to write prominent positive discussions about – necklaces, rings, and things like that into Hollywood scripts. Conveniently enough, De Beers was the biggest seller of these types of items. So this is not a new thing. Is it something that you think hurts film in general, film in general overall? Or do you think it's something that, because one of the ways I have had this kind of product placement justified to me, and I had a low-budget filmmaker I know tell me this, and I'm quoting here, Product placement was the only way I could get the movie made, so just deal with it. That it basically was, I didn't have the money to do this until Pepsi gave me $40,000 to have that 30-second ad from the actors in the middle of the commercial. So there would have been no movie if not for product placement. Is that kind of a knee-jerk defense, or do you think that's accurate? It depends. You know, a big Hollywood studio could afford to make the movie without product placement if they wanted to. However, that doesn't necessarily mean it'd be a good movie. However, there are plenty of ways to finance a movie outside of product placement. It's just a it's a compromise between do I want to do I want to compromise my vision to get the money for the film by having 30 second commercial for McDonald's in there? You know, it's a choice of the artist of whether they want to do that or not. Here's my feeling on the whole thing. If it's a movie and there is uh, 30 seconds within the movie 
where uh, the, the characters are getting McDonald's or something or they're getting a Coke and it's prominently displayed and it kind of is a little commercial in there for however long. And then the movie continues on, but that has no impact on the film itself. It sucks, but I mean, sometimes, you know, they need that additional funds to be able to film the movie, to be able to finish the movie. It has no real impact aside from just a little like, oh, that's there and all right, fine. But the problem that I have is when something like the early, uh, the Tim Burton Batman movies, Batman Returns came out and they had a deal with McDonald's and parents started complaining because Batman was too dark for our children. So when it came time to do Batman uh, Forever, they came back to Burton and were like, look, we have to make the new movie more lighthearted and colorful and all this stuff. And so Burton left and then they ended up making the movie more silly and childlike. And that kind of began the downfall of that, you know, of the earlier Batman films. And then we ended up with Batman and Robin, which was just almost, you know, that was actually worse and campier than the old Adam West ones because they were trying to appease McDonald's. That's when I start having a major problem with it. What about when it's kind of stealth marketing in a movie? For instance, you don't even notice that they slipped this in because it's either just glossed over. I'm hesitant to say Michael Bay is subtle, but look at like Armageddon. He got $70,000 to use a specific brand of clock for that big countdown clock till the asteroid hits the Earth. I never even noticed the logo on that until he pointed it out in the commentary. Is that the way you should do that kind of product placement? I absolutely agree that that's the way you do it. Just very subtle. I mean, it adds to the realism of the film because products would be branded. People would buy something that has a name on it. NASA would have a recognizable clock brand, most likely. Yes, but they're not going to have a monologue about it, like you see in some agrarious examples. But that's the way to do it. Just have it there, and it doesn't affect anything else in the movie. If somebody goes into a bar, orders Budweiser, and then they just go on with the scene. You know, you don't even notice it. Absolutely. That's the way to do it. You're going to throw something in there, stealth stealth market it, because there's so many movies where it's subtle, and it's in there. And honestly, I think that that has more of an impact, because when you force something upon somebody, it becomes a joke, like we've talked about before, Mission to Mars, where it's like, oh my god, Dr. Pepper. Dr. Pepper, M&M's, Pennzoil. The the one that, okay, the the Dr. Pepper and the M&M's one in Mission to Mars, those are pretty egregious on their own, because they, they are plot points. The one that just made me go, really? was when they were they were having a discussion out on the surface of Mars in front of the Mars rover, like Don Cheadle is on the left half of the screen, Gary Sinise is on the right half of the screen, and the Pennzoil logo on the Mars rover is just displayed prominently right between them. And I'm just like, oh my god. The first that I ever noticed that took me out of a movie was Mac and Me when I watched that in theaters. McDonald's, I mean, it's... Coca-Cola... They have a dance number at McDonald's. And Coke is the savior of the day. I was just going to say, yeah. yeah, Coke ends up saving the alien. I mean, come on. Well, well, speaking of that, what about when they make the product the savior of the day? For instance, Subway and Happy Gilmore. How, if it was not for Subway, 
he wouldn't have been able to do what he did. And they actually literally work a subway commercial into the plot of the story. Is that less egregious or more? Uh, that's a tough one because it's like, even though, yes, they did work a subway commercial into the ad, it is kind of funny and it works. So, yes, it is product placement. Yes, it is blatant product placement, but it is done in a humorous fashion. And I don't know, that one didn't really bother me too much. That one, it kind of fit with the flow of the story. So, it, like Cecil, it didn't bother me too much. Yeah, it is pretty agrarious looking back at it. It's, wow. Agrarious? Really, yeah, I, I'm just f***ing that word up, aren't I? Egregious. Really egregious. Yeah, it's really egregious, but it fits. But not, then again, it's there's worse Adam Sandler product placement. Oh, we'll we'll get to that when we start getting to real, <laughs> real examples. But then th- that brings up, what about when you make fun of product placement? For instance, Wayne's World, or in my opinion, one of the best ones, Return of the Killer Tomatoes, where they specifically stop the movie. They run out of money to film the movie in the movie, break the fourth wall, and then all of a sudden the villain has a cornflakes logo on his back and a Pepsi logo on the side of his castle. During the love scene, someone's dancing a box of cornflakes in front of the nudity. And and that, that was actual product placement. Is that the way you should do it? Kind of hiding the fact that these were paid for, but we're making fun of the advertisers at the same time? That's a fun way to do it, and I'm surprised that they were actually paid for that because I could see an advertiser really not liking that representation of their product because they usually want to be portrayed in a positive light and saying, hey, look, we hoard ourselves for cornflakes really does make Kellogg's look bad. But see, I think in that case, a lot of them don't care. If you've ever talked to anyone at a marketing agency, it's kind of it kind of goes back to that that thing about like with politicians any kind of publicity is good publicity. They're still getting their name out there. And that movie came out in 1988. We're still talking about the product placement in that. And we're doing it in a positive way. So overall, they came out ahead, didn't they? Well, it's the dawning of the age of Agrarius. So that is absolutely the epitome of bad speech. <laughs> I, I liked uh, like the, the Wayne's World bit I thought was hilarious. And another good one was uh, in Mystery Men, where Captain Amazing had all the sponsors all over his uniform, which it was it was funny because it was a way of being like, all right, you know, they're superheroes that would be sponsored like NASCAR. Yeah, that works. And it was funny. So uh, and I agree with you. I think that uh, a lot of studios come at it from the perspective of as long as it's not portraying product in a negative light then that's cool like because uh, they're they're poking fun at it and that's one thing but they're not showing like somebody drinking a pepsi and then all of a sudden like it's poison you know like they'd have an issue with that but not with it kind of being poked fun at the missing where it was just having all of this horrible horrible product placement for pepsi like during scenes of murder and stuff to yeah, promote it, coke. It, it, yeah it was the pinochet regime drinks pepsi the, the CIA drinks Coke, and they're the good guys. What about when you don't have permission, and you do kind of piss off the advertisers when you use their product in a way they don't like? For instance, this one's not a movie, but I'm sure we all grew up listening to Suicidal Tendencies Institutionalized. All I wanted was a Pepsi. Mom, bring me a Pepsi. 
Well, they didn't have Pepsi's permission for that, and Pepsi got pissed to the point that initially when that video started airing on MTV, MTV had a policy in place that they that you could have no placement or advertising within your music videos. So that video got pulled initially for advertising Pepsi until the record company said, we're not advertising Pepsi. They didn't give us any money. In fact, they're suing us over this. How does that come, how does that hit you guys when it comes to product placement that's sort of anti-product placement? That kind of thing really pisses me off when you need a, a company's permission to mention their product in a movie because that really limits movies to where you have people going into a, a store and buying cigarettes. It does Repo Man. to an extent. Yeah. And I was reading Beer. earlier. The, the one I liked the most was just food. Not even yeah. what kind of food. It was just cans of food on the shelf. It limits a movie and makes it so clearly take place in movie universe that it, it takes me out of the movie more than if they had, you know, any product, whether it was product placement or something they used without permission. And on the same topic, I was reading an article today that was talking about a lawsuit that Hangover 2 had from some famous purse designer about having their purse in the movie without permission. And it turned out that the person that shot that they were so mad about was a knockoff anyway couple of the movies i've worked on the movie i was the boom up on project solitude they were terrified of having any kind of real logo in there since they couldn't since they couldn't contact any of the companies there was a shop that took place in an auto garage and they literally had pas taking pieces of tape and whiteout covering up all of the penzoil logos and exxon logos part of it takes place at a campsite so we had to take duct tape and cover up all the brands of the tents and whatnot. And I thought, that's just ridiculous, isn't it? That that whole thing is infuriating because in the case of something like Suicidal Tendencies, the song it wouldn't work as well as it does with, you know, All I Wanted Was a Pepsi. If he said, All I Wanted Was a Soda, like it, it, Pepsi just, it works. And I think it's ridiculous when they don't get, you know, they have to get permission to put this product in their film, especially if it's just something in the background or something that doesn't really have any kind of negative or positive connotation. It's just there. It, it's silly. Like when you're watching uh, Mythbusters and whenever they uh, have to do something where they're using a product, they have to cover up whatever the, the product Mythbusters is. brand soda and stuff. Yeah. I've yeah. Seen Mythbusters vodka and Mythbusters this. And it's just so ridiculous. Cause it's like, look, if they're going to use this, you know, they, you could be getting free advertising. So the in one that no, I I haven't watched CSI since before William Peterson left the show. Okay, he was still on the show when I quit watching. But there was an episode where they went down the Vegas Strip, and half of the things that they were driving past were mosaicked out. And I was like, Are you fucking kidding me? I mean, it was clear it was like a Pep Boys logo. Well, we don't want to piss off Pet Boys by saying they have a store in a town where murders take place. What the f***? You know, you, you've got that. But then what about movies that are there only to sell a product, where the actual movie is inconsequential to selling the product? Like, you know what? I enjoy the movie, but The Wizard. The Wizard is a 90-minute long Nintendo commercial. You can, Nobody can argue with that, can they? Oh, no, it's it's absolutely the the wizard is a 90 minute commercial for Nintendo. Now, granted, it is a 
fucking fantastic 90-minute commercial for Nintendo, but it still is just blatantly, buy this, you're going to want this, your kids are going to want this, and uh, I don't know, it's so weird because it's so, I guess in that case, it's so like just in your, like, I don't want to say in your face about it, but it's so forward with being like, you know what? This is a commercial for Nintendo. And I think what shameless is the term you're looking for. Shameless. There we go. Yeah, shameless. It is so shamelessly promoting Nintendo that it almost is endearing with how ridiculous it is. And it's funny. I, I, I don't know if the DVD has a commentary, but I, saw, I read an interview with Bo Bridges once where he said when he made that movie, he's like, I didn't know what the f*** Nintendo was. Just This was a movie to me. Well, to a certain degree, uh, probably a lot of the parents that took their kids to see the movie had no idea really that, you know, Nintendo was becoming this big thing. I mean, kids and everybody were freaking out about it, but I think this was maybe a little bit of an eye-opening experience for them to take them to the theater and see all these kids just being ravenous about this product that they really didn't know that much about. I saw The Wizard knowing that it was a commercial. When I was a kid, I went to it and knowing everything about that product placement in there because Did I was a Nintendo fan. Did you see it in California? Fan. Yes, I saw it when I lived in California. But my friends and I, we laughed at the, the huge plug for the Power Glove because each of us had already bought and hated a Power Glove. It's so bad. It, it is, is. <laughs> but, but not, not the way they describe it in the movie. And the big selling point for us was the advertisements in Nintendo Power that were like, go see The Wizard because you'll see never-before-seen footage from the upcoming Super Mario Bros. 3. And that was why my friends and I were like, dude, we have to see this movie. Well, another really egregious one that I can think of is You've Got Mail. Tom Hanks and Meg Ryan just... Okay, first of all, Tom Hanks doesn't even look like he's enjoying being in the, in this film. He he, I, I think he looks like he's just been bent over and made a horror and he knows it. But You've Got Mail is is a 90-minute commercial for Starbucks and AOL. And that's part of the problem when you get these movies that are just product placement. They outdate really quick. Yeah, Starbucks is still around. Really? AOL? They're not even close to being a contender. Were you going to make one about Netscape? Yeah, You've Got Mail is a movie that could be good if it wasn't about AOL. It's pretty shameless, and it dates that movie so bad. I mean, like, we love movies that have really dated computers in it, like Alien, for instance, but that doesn't take us out of the movie. In the case of You've Got Mail, it does. Yeah, because the point of the movie is, look at this great new service that's now monstrously useless. Uh, I'm still waiting for a real player, the movie, to come out. Oh, you, you know why that hasn't? It's still buffering. With the uh, with You've Got Mail, when that first hit, I laughed openly at just, oh my god, this is freaking AOL chat, the movie. It was so bad. And uh, they tried to structure this romance around it, and it was so obvious that they were like, some screenwriter went in and was like, all right, this is really hot. We have to make this movie as quickly as possible. What are Tom Hanks and Meg Ryan doing? And they just got, they made it quickly, got it into theaters, and probably right at the cusp 
of when people were starting to realize that AOL wasn't all that great. And, uh, you know, but it still went on to be a really big hit. But here we are years later, and it's just this laughably corny, half-baked romance movie that uh, if it didn't have those two major stars in it at the time, it probably would have just kind of been laughed away and forgotten. Actually, story-wise, the movie itself is a remake of The Little Shop Around the Corner with Jimmy Stewart. The only difference is that in the original, they were pen pals and wrote letters to each other. So, yeah, it's a remake where they just updated the, the, the delivery of the messages. They made it go faster instead of it being pen pals. Yeah, they're, they're using AOL. So, yeah, that's even worse. What about a movie where the product placement varies by country to country, like Demolition Man? We all know Demolition Man. So, what's with this cocktail guy anyway? He says I saved his life, which I'm not even sure I did, and my reward is dinner and dancing at Taco Bell. I mean, hey, I like Mexican food, but come on. Your tone is quasi-facetious, but you do not realize that Taco Bell was the only restaurant to survive the franchise wars. So? So? Now all restaurants are Taco Bell. No way. Well, if you saw it in Europe... What's with this cocktail guy, anyway? He says I saved his life, which I'm not even sure I did, and my reward is dinner and dancing at Pizza Hut. I mean, hey, I like a big fat piece of pizza, but come on! Your tone is quasi-facetious, but you do not realize that Pizza Hut was the only restaurant to survive the franchise wars. So? So? Now all restaurants are Pizza Hut. No way. And if you saw it in Asia, McDonald's won the franchise wars. They actually shot three versions of all the scenes where they're at the various restaurants, is that good or is that better or worse kind of product placement that we're going to make regional product placement and we'll just have different prints of it? Well, Pizza Hut and Taco Bell are both owned by Pepsi. And I could see them selling McDonald's just to get multiple product placements for the same placement. That's like doubling your money. But that's what I'm saying. Is that better or worse? It's better if you like money. Is it better for the movie, you Philistine? No, no. Any line there is terrible for the movie. The explanation I got was when they were doing a behind-the-scenes thing, and they were talking about that. And the reasoning was that in Europe, Taco Bell wasn't nearly as big as Pizza Hut. So consequently, they went with Pizza Hut because the joke would have went over better. So it's a case where it's an oddity. But they actually did kind of tailor the marketing for, you know, to make the joke make more sense. So it's kind of is is both a good and a bad thing. Okay, what about a a recent movie that was, I think I got the title right, The Intern, that Vince Vaughn one where it's a two hour long Google commercial? Yeah, that's a Google commercial. What what about that? That do you think... The internship. The internship, sorry. Do you think that, say, something major happens to Google, that that is a stupid, stupid risk to make a movie like that, like we were talking about with AOL, that in 10 years people are going to go, what's a Google? Uh, I I don't know. I mean, uh, I think uh, initially when I heard about it, I thought it was kind of a good idea because I was like, oh, this is cool. We can get a good look a little bit more into the inner workings of Google. And then I was like, oh, but it's going to be Vince Vaughn and old Percy Lips. And uh, they're 
just going to make it they're trying to reclaim the uh, the wedding crashers thing and it's just going to suck for like the seventh time for yeah it's like oh we're going to make these guys together and they're crazy you know and uh so uh, i mean i from the business perspective it makes sense because it's like all right we're you know google is going to pay a decent amount of money to kind of have uh, them behind their gated walls to kind of look into it a little bit and from what i gather too i haven't seen the movie because i really have zero interest because i don't like either of those guys they don't actually show very much inside of google at all like they apparently again like i said i haven't seen it but from the people i know that have seen it they said that uh, they're really only in there for a little while and then the rest of the movie they're doing wacky hijinks then it almost seems tacked on well, I actually haven't seen the movie, just the trailer. And from the trailer, I was like, this is a commercial for Google. This is all about Google. So that was the impression I got from the trailer. The movie itself, I don't know. Theoretically, you could make that movie with a fictional company if you wanted to, though. When they do that, when, when they do make thinly veiled fictional companies that are you, – you, you clearly know what company they're talking about, what product they're talking about. Does that then pull you out of the movie? Then you start scratching your head going, then why didn't they just use Coke instead of a white logo on a red can that's very acidic and it's a thing that's real for their tagline? Do you just kind of go, well, why didn't they just go to Coke then? Does that help or hurt your enjoyment of the film when they make a thinly veiled fictional product? It doesn't really affect it either way. It depends on how much a part of the movie that fictional product is, though. I mean, if it's like a huge piece of the movie that they're drinking this fictional beverage, then maybe for realism's sake, it could be an actual product. But if you have something like The Stuff, and if The Stuff was an actual brand, like this was Coke, yeah, that would totally I still it. think some ice cream company needs to make a The Stuff ice cream. I'd yeah, buy it. Sometimes you need a fictional product. You, you don't think Blue Bunny would have been happy to be in The Stuff? Not if it's killing people, though. No. I could see Blue Bunny or maybe some lesser known ice cream manufacturer jumping on them if they ever decide to do a stuff remake, which quite honestly, I'm surprised hasn't happened yet. Shut your whore mouth. Oh, I, I don't want it to happen, but I'm just saying it's it's one of those things where I'm surprised it hasn't happened. If, if it's uh, as far as the product goes, if they're showing something and uh, it's a bunch of kids sitting around drinking soda and it's not really integral to the movie if it's just kind of they need a beverage then it's more than likely they just couldn't secure the rights to it so but they needed to be drinking something so they're drinking you know this nondescript beverage so in that case it doesn't really take me out of the movie at all it's just kind of like there but uh like alex said if it's something that's integral to the pot and it's supposed to be a specific thing and it's not well then yeah that would kind of make you scratch your head and be like, well, why didn't they go to whatever? And why did they make this such a important part of the movie when they couldn't get the rights to it? Well, then what about when you do get product placement, but the company dictates how you are able to use the product or even what version of the product you have, even if it creates, and someone like me who is a nitpicker, an obvious anachronism, such as House of a Thousand Corpses takes place in 1974 they're drinking bottles of Coca-Cola Classic because Coke specifically did not want the non-Coca-Cola Classic version used in the film. They're like, no, you get Coke 
classic, and that's what we're paying you for. That creates an obvious anachronism, so you, it kind of pulls you out of the film if you're an, if you're someone like me who notices, wait, it wasn't Coca-Cola Classic in 74, and that's not the logo they used. Son of a bitches! I would have been more on board if they were all drinking new Coke. Well, it would only pull me out of the movie if I knew that. Like, like I would know that they didn't have that Coke in 1974. It wasn't called Classic until 1988. Like, I would know that. I, I'm a Pepsi person. Was that like a product placement right there? Well, I own stock in Pepsi, so consider it that, yeah. What What do you guys think are some of the most, the most blatant and the most shameless examples of product placement movies or, or TV? The, the, the kind where you just go, oh my God, just, just put a commercial in the damn thing. We've got the obvious, the one that everyone knows, the Hawaii Five-0 example, the new Hawaii Five-0 on CBS. Not only is Bing obviously a big, big donator to this show, I don't know how many different episodes they can't figure out something and they're like, bing it, just bing it. And they show, and then they, there's a quick insert of them using Bing on their phone to find out, you know, the killer's identity or their address or something. The worst was the Subway commercial, like this one. Hey, how's it, Crime Fighters? Pretty good. You, uh, you own a shrimp truck, but you're bringing lunch to work. Trying to eat smarter, brother. Shrimp, perfectly healthy. Not the way I make them, but this Subway sandwich... So ono. Okay, so you're eating these to lose weight. Is that, is that right? It worked for Jared, and that boy was large. But the best thing about it, they make it any way you want it. Check this one. It's sweet onion chicken teriyaki with jalapenos and banana peppers. Now you put that with this, turkey BLT, bam! There's some serious culinary fusion. So how many of these did you order? Five. Five footlongs. It was a good deal. And I got breakfast with tomorrow. They literally stopped the story so the supporting character can talk about how great these two specific flavors of Subway sandwiches for only $5 really go together and they totally fill you up all day. That to me is just just shameless. And, and that to me makes me go, I'm not watching your show. Screw you. I'm done. Okay, the Bing one would totally take me out of anything because nobody... Because Bing sucks. Yeah, nobody uses Bing. What the hell? I'm not buying that those are real characters if they're using Bing. Yeah, that Subway one's pretty bad. I think one of the worst is Adam Sandler with Popeyes and Little Nicky. Well, I mean, they're not Popeyes, even Popeyes, didn't jokes. you have that issue with Supergirl, too? Yeah, with Supergirl saving the Popeyes and everybody's cheering and Jimmy Olsen's at Popeyes hitting on high school girls. But Popeyes, and you have that, that, that shot of Supergirl standing on top of Popeyes, looking all happy. What about iRobot? They're, they're, they're vintage, Ni they're, they're Nikes, vintage 2004. Oh, God. The Binget one is even worse, because they go, hey, we should Bing that on my new Windows phone. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I, 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 the, the other thing I, I really like about that is, they're looking for a certain name. He's like Clement something. And she just types in CL, and that is the drop down. <laughs> it, it was like Clement, you know, Clement Williams or whatever. I was just like, God, you're not even trying. It's so bad. Yo, this chicken carbonara is good, dog. That's so hilarious. My, I don't watch the show. I like Alex O'Loughlin, but I just, I don't like crime dramas. And my wife watches it, and she had told me, 
because I was mentioning to her about this we were doing. And she goes, one thing that is really funny, too, in the movie or in the show, all the good guys drive Chevys and they show the I mean, the the Chevy logo. And they have all these really nice, well lit Chevy, you know, chase sequences. And all the bad guys are driving Fords and all the Fords are all shot, all dark and, you know, like looking all evil. And I'm I'm like, oh, that's terrible. Or, or, Or The Walking Dead. They always have. I think it's Hyundai. Yeah, it's Hyundai. It's Hyundai. They, they always have that one. We're we're in kind of a post-apocalypse. They were running zombies down, and this Hyundai is in great shape. It's washed. It's shiny. It's just literally that takes me out of the show. Yeah, that is bad. Uh, I would say mention it before, but it is for me the worst is Mission to Mars. It's just there's so many different products now. I realize that the production was in trouble and they needed money, and there was no way they were going to be able to finish this movie without all this blatant product placement. But it's still the most blatant product placement I think I've ever seen as far as movies are concerned. It's so bad because it just happens over and over and over again throughout the film. What about Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, the first live-action movie with, uh, was it Domino's? Yeah, it was Domino's, but the thing was, it wasn't like, it wasn't something against the characters because the thing was, they all loved pizza, and there was never a point in the movie where they were like, oh, this Domino's pizza is delicious. It was just like the Domino's pizza was there, and they ate it, and they occasionally would, you know, they would open the uh, the box with the Domino's logo towards the camera. But the thing was, it didn't feel out of place, and it wasn't blatantly in your face about it. It still was relatable, and it made sense with the characters. Now, obviously, I'm going to only be talking about the U.S. version because these scenes are not in the international version. And you'll hear Alex and I talk about this on a Crasian video coming up. Alex, Godzilla 1985, American Cut. I'm drinking a Dr. Pepper right now, Alex, and the Dr. Pepper advertising in that movie offended even me. Yeah, it's pretty. It's it's only in the U.S. version that you have all the the Dr. Roger Pepper. Corman edit. Yeah, because Roger Corman made the U.S. version of Godzilla 85, and. You know Corman, he's never going to turn down money. Yeah, there's Dr. Pepper everywhere in that movie. One of my favorites would have to be when the general and his assistant are having a discussion about Godzilla. They're walking down the hall. They stop in front of a huge, I mean, this thing's larger than a normal soda machine, a huge Dr. Pepper soda machine. They each get a soda. They're drinking them with the Dr. Pepper logo in between them, just discussing what they're going to do with Godzilla while Dr. Pepper is being shoved right in your face. All the scenes with the Americans aren't in the original Japanese version. Yeah, so there's it's no like Raymond they, Burr in the Japanese version. Yeah, so it's like they took the movie and inserted Dr. Pepper commercials. They didn't add to the plot or anything. They just inserted Dr. Pepper commercials. There, there was one of the assistant looking all tense as Godzilla's wrecking part of Tokyo, and he's got a Dr. Pepper can sitting next to him, angled right at camera. It was just like, oh, Jesus, you're... And they, they had cross-marketing with that, too. You remember the Godzilla Dr. Pepper commercials that they had out at that time? Of course. I like Godzilla as much as the next guy, but that was pretty blatant. But then, how about the curse of advertising? Blade Runner, for example. All of the all of the brands that Blade Runner had product placement for went out of business within three years or had serious financial troubles in Coke's case. Do you think that there is sort of a karma to product placement? I think that is totally a coincidence. 
Yeah, I think that that's just a, a coincidence. I mean, there are certain products where I'm watching a movie and they're so in your face about it that it makes me not want to get them. But I wouldn't say that it happens in such a grand scale that people all over just will boycott something. I think that in that case, it's just an unfortunate coincidence. What about when merchandising runs amok? Let's go back to the example of The Wizard. That was a 90-minute Nintendo commercial. What about when a movie is made specifically to sell something else? That we don't even care if this movie makes any money. We've, we're already into profit. For instance, Star Wars The Phantom Menace. Because of action figures, t-shirts, comic books, toys, the tie-in cartoons, Taco Bell, Pizza Hut, Pepsi, all that, Lucasfilm was already up a billion dollars before they sold a single ticket to that movie. To the point where Phantom Menace was not made to be a movie. It was made to be a commercial for all of the other things you can buy. What does that say about a state of the industry? That says something more about George Lucas and the whole industry. But yeah, that's that's Hollywood. That's what we've come to expect from them. And that's kind of why we don't like them. He obviously has more vested in the toys than he does in the actual film, which is one of the reasons why he you know, had bajillion dollars when he finally decided to uh sell you know or to more or less sell off the uh the whole franchise to disney i'm guilty of it to a certain degree i was so excited you know there was going to be a new star wars me and a bunch of friends uh we went to the toys r us midnight launch for the goddamn toys we went and we bought all these toys for a movie that wasn't even out yet and so, you know, I mean, that's how uh, fanatical we were about Star Wars at the time. So, so you do understand the meaning of the word regret. The toys are fun. And, and I really don't. I mean, I, I don't hate the prequels like some people do. I think that, uh, well, I'm not even going to go into it. But yeah, I don't hate the prequels. But then doesn't that kind of marginalize what, the, what a movie is supposed to be when it's just where you get the ideas for the products? For instance... Warner Brothers recently had a memo leaked. Warner Brothers owns DC Comics. DC Comics is, in itself, as comic books, is a barely profitable company. They're not losing money, but they're not making a whole lot. Now, being owned by Warner Brothers, because of all the the TV shows and the cartoons and the action figures and the t-shirts, the books, and all these other things you can do with these characters, an internal memo recently came out, Warner Brothers executives literally see DC as just this part of our company exists as a place to create the intellectual properties that we now merchandise. So basically what they're saying is we don't even care if the comics are any good. They're just there to give us movie ideas and show ideas and action figures and t-shirts. Doesn't that marginalize the original product to the point of pointlessness? Yeah, it does. That's what happens when you have them all as a conglomerate. Well, conglomerates, I, I think, are, have been the death of creativity for a long time, but that's a different topic. If DC was its own entity and Warner Brothers was its own entity, it would be a lot better. But they're the same entity, so it kind of ruins the comics since it's incidental to their movie product, as opposed to people that are writing comics because they, they genuinely want to tell fun stories. It's a depressing state of affairs, but to a certain degree, uh, in a way, 
almost good that they don't care because DC is continuing continuously writing new stuff and a lot of it is very good. Now, the new 52 that was something that was kind of born out of this, you know, we have to try to make more money and and in, in all honesty, reboot it, everything. No, actually the new 52 was born out of we're sick of paying Siegel and Schuster's relatives for the license to Superman. So if we reboot him, change it just enough that it no longer resembles their relatives designs we no longer have to pay them dc warner brothers doesn't have to pay the relatives of the creators of superman anymore because they've changed him just enough that it's not their superman any longer so this was all a scheme to reclaim superman away from those greedy relatives of you know the people who actually created superman how those dare they sons of bitches i tell you the and and the, the money that they were getting was probably such a pittance compared to the amount of money that they're pulling in so that's just ludicrous. But I mean, if, if I'm not mistaken, I mean, now, granted, I've been a little out of comics for a while now, a relative who who writes. And so he gives me a lot of like updates. So that's kind of how I get my, my comic book feed. They didn't stop making Superman and Batman comics in their original lineups. This is just kind of a, a spinoff series. No, New 52 all... stopped everything. Every New 52 comic stopped was, everything? Everything except Green, the Green Lantern Corps for some reason still has some continuity to the old one like Crisis on Infinite Earths. But New 52, every book stopped and restarted with all new continuity. Superheroes first showed up in the 2000s. Batman has not been around since the 80s in this continuity. Superman was Superboy in the early 2000s. It's a complete universe reboot. So there is the old Superman stuff that's not being printed anymore because that stuff they have to pay Siegel and Schuster's heirs for. And they don't want to. They did. They don't want. They've been trying for years to try and get out of paying for paying for this stuff. And Siegel and Schuster's heirs just keep suing them. You know, I know this is a topic for another day, but it is kind of funny in a depressing way that there are these companies that are trying to screw over the people who own you know, the, the relatives of the creators of an original property because they don't want to pay them. God forbid someone infringe on one of their copyrights that they should, you know, that should have gone into the public domain years ago that they will fight tooth and nail over. But like I said, that's maybe something that we can pick up Disney down the road. Ugh. Comics are basically the farm team. Now, we haven't seen anything from Disney Marvel about this, but I've kind of been getting the same tone off of them. The comics don't really matter as much as the comics are a springboard for our movies and our animated DVD properties and whatnot. That seems to be Disney's take once they bought Marvel. And I think that says something sad about the movies. I mean, hell, it's not necessarily merchandising or product placement, but look at how everything, when you come up with a new, especially sci-fi property, it's Where's the franchise? How many movies can we get out of this? Does it, is there a spin-off comic book in this? Is there a TV that we TV show we can get off this? Nothing is just seen as, hey, it's a movie anymore, is it? It's depressing because here is the death of creativity because maybe you have a movie that is fan freaking tastic. It's a brilliant idea and it is a completely self-contained thing that nobody wants to make because there's no way of marketing it and there's no franchise potential 
and it kind of falls outside of uh, what a regular film would be, it sucks because there are so many really good ideas that are constantly being ignored in favor of the easy franchise potential movie. And this is not just confined to movies. Henry Rollins back in the 90s, but you got to remember, this is at a time when music video and MTV was still very much, very much mattered. But he said when when he would have meetings at, at, at record labels, they would be like, we love the music. We know you got a fan base, but we just don't see the music video. You know, you, you know, he's like, they're looking at your cheekbones. They're, they're looking at how they can make a, a fun music video out of you. And the music doesn't matter. It was all about how do we market you? And he's like, I don't want any part of this. Screw you. I'll stay independent. And I think all, all the creative industries are like this. If you're not willing to sell yourself out, there's all these other people with their hands ready to sell, to sell you out for you. And I think that's a sad state of affairs. And, and I think if you guys don't believe me, you should just bing it. What is your final thought on product placement in movies slash marketing in general? In general, it's, it's hit or miss. If you don't notice it, then I like it. There's several times even when you do notice it, but it doesn't distract you as much. If it works for the film, then it works for me. But those times where it stops to just sell you a product, where you have a music number and Mac and Me, not that Mac and Me would have benefited without McDonald's, that movie is shit, but still, the principle of it, you know, if it's if it's out there just to sell a product instead of make a movie, I hate it. But if it's incorporated into the movie well enough, then I have no problem. Like a lot of things in Hollywood right now, product placement started off as a good thing that has just been bastardized to hell and now has become this entity that almost impacts every single property that they put out. They're always trying to shoehorn some kind of nonsense in there, trying to get money and filter it into their production. A lot of times it ends up changing the production to appease the people that paid these exorbitant amounts of money to put their product in the film. So when the product is changing the film, I have a major problem with that. But if it's just something in the background, if it's very stealthily used and you don't notice it, or if it has a, you know, no impact whatsoever on the film, if it's just kind of there but not done as a commercial, I'm fine with that because movies are expensive and sometimes they do need a little bit of extra money to get it done. They shouldn't take that money and then be forced to change the movie because of it. I think product placement, it does have its place. If it's done right, it adds to the realism of a scene. But when it's done wrong, which it seems to be more often than it's done right, it completely takes you out of the movie and you lose respect for those that made the movie because kind of just come across like shameless whores, really. And then you've also got sort of the not forward-thinking enough product placement, like AOL or Xbox in Michael Bay's The Island. By the time this comes out on video, it's already outdated. I mean, by the time The Island came to video, the Xbox 360 was out, so all the Xbox product placement in The Island was kind of pointless. And I think that it instantly dates your movie. So you hoard yourself out, for kind of instant gratification rather than long-term gain. But remember, I'm a cynic and I don't like anything, so that's just my thoughts. You cynical asshole. Where can we find Alex not a cynical asshole, Jowski? At geekjuicemedia.com. 
You can find me at goodbadflicks.com as well as geekjuicemedia.com. And to be a complete whore, you go to 1201beyond.com and you can contact the show at 1201beyond.gmail.com. I am also part of geekjuicemedia.com and have a geek juice night. Remember, 1201beyond.com. Brand it, motherfuckers! Sometimes I try to do things and they just don't turn out the way I want it to. And I get real frustrated. And it's like, I take my time and I try real hard. But no matter what I do and no matter what I try, it never works out. It's like I concentrate on it real hard, but it never works out. It's like, I need some time to figure these things out. But there's always someone there going, hey Mike, you know, we've been noticing you having a lot of problems, you know? Like, maybe you should talk about it, you'll feel a lot better. And I go, no, it's okay. I'm having some problems, I'll figure it out myself. I'll figure it out. And they go, why don't you talk about it? You'll feel a lot better. And I go, no, I don't want to. Just leave me alone. I'll figure it out myself. And they keep on bugging me. And it builds up inside. It builds up inside. Together, be a two tonight. You come up here with much tonight. You won't have any. Say the way what you didn't see the way. I'm not crazy. Beyond production. Visit 1201beyond.com for more great shows.